When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, folks. Welcome back to the week two. Week two, guys. Matt West football recap. MWR.com. Again, MWR.com. You should, if you found the website, Matt, they should know what they're listening to, right? Because it'd, it'd be kind of weird to find this but not know about a website that we do too, right? Yeah. I feel like that'd be <laughs> really hard to do. That would be. I guess if you search Mount West Football Podcast, which is very specific, there's like, what, one? And we're in. be very interesting. But uh, we're here. Week to recap. 11 games. Friday night games. We're going to dive right into it. But uh, overall, really quick, how would you uh, give a quick grade for the week of the whole conference? I'd give it a solid B. You know, like it, like this week didn't necessarily see a lot of I mean there were there were a lot of big wins. I don't know if you would say there was a lot of high profile wins. You saw you know some teams making statements. Um not mm-hmm. all of them not 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 all of them necessarily for the better, which we'll talk about. <laughs> oh um, yes. Yeah, but I mean overall you take a look back, you see the Mountain West went 8 and 3 in the 11 games that they played this week. And you know, other than I think one or two kind of I guess you could call them just one or two teams out there laying eggs. Overall, like everybody took care of business, and some just took care of it more emphatically than others. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Like a couple of FCS blowouts, uh, one one nearly blown lead. We'll get to in a minute, which is very surprising. But you're right. We'll get to we'll get to all these games as we go along. If you can, if you want to guess who the one team that didn't allow the conference to get an A, there's like one or two teams you can point at, and you already know who they are. So we'll get to you guys later at some point. But let's just get to um. Let's start with the Utah Boise State game. There's not a ton to say like, oh, this or that in the game. I would it was, first off, it's fifty four to thirteen. They blew out the uh, what was it twenty six line point line spread or something. <laughs> not even close. Second half shutout. And Boise decided to run the ball a lot with decent success. But is there any concern that George Lana got five carries or was it just easing him in because whatever reason why he didn't play last week versus UCF? No, see, that's an excellent question because, you know, by halftime, of course, it was, it was already, what, 41 to 13 or something like yep, that. Yep, sure was. Um, but, you know, a lot of that had to do with what, you know, Hank Bachmeyer was able to do in that first half. He was like 11 of 17, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for nearly 300 yards, even by that point. Um, 
you know, they, they had a massive field position advantage almost from the get go. Like, you know, the first couple drives, they, you know, they went, you know, a, you know, for a, an opening field goal, then they went 75 yards for a touchdown. But then beyond that, it started trending in the direction where like, even when they weren't necessarily maximizing all the opportunities, UTEP started their average drive at their own 21 yard line. Boise State basically started at midfield. <laughs> they sure uh, did. And so, you know, you look at like what actually happened and you say, yeah, they ran the ball. But they were, they're only credited with 10 rushing attempts for 22 yards. Yeah, it wasn't ideal. And so that was, not that and so, it's, like, so I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, they didn't necessarily need it, but I don't know if we gained a lot of clarity that they actually have it or that they're going to be able to, to get it when they need it a little more often. Cause you know, you mentioned Holani, of course, only having five carries. They had a touchdown, which is great, but. You know, um, you know, we still don't know if he's going to be back to being that kind of, you know, 17 to 20 touches per game kind of guy. And so, you know, you look and, and see that, you know, other guys were able to step up. You know, there were a couple of running backs kind of in, in garbage time that averaged five yards a carry, which is good. But, you know, Andrew Van Buren hardly got any run and he didn't really do much with it when he did. You know, five carries That's for good. three yards and two touchdowns. Um, <laughs> was it Jerome Bettis out there? Come on. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, or, or Cyrus Abibi Lakio, three carries, 11 yards. So like the guys that I would imagine Boise State's going to lean on when it comes down to crunch time, we didn't really get a lot from them. So like, yeah, well, it was good to see Holani look like he was, you know, back in playing shape. But, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, like how much did we actually learn about Boise State's ability to run the football? Not much. Like, it's a game where it wasn't needed, but, like, that's what I'm a question asking you. Like, was it him easing him back in? But when Van Buren was your main guy last week and he did, got the, the short touchdowns and all that stuff, but I, not much. Like, the success overall, like I said, wasn't ideal. Like, the yards per carry were, were not great. Like, Kalani had the t- 10 yarder, but that's half his yards. So. Yeah, and so, so I start to wonder, like, whether, you know, it was sort sort of like one half, you know, half one reason, half another. But then you look at the guy who's who like actually stepped up and performed, and you start to wonder like whether they they are going to be able to kind of get more playing time just based off of the performance they had against the minors. So like case in point, Tyler Crow, you yeah, know, who, well. who ended up leading, you know, leading the team in rushing, you know, I think seven carries, forty five yards. But, you know, he looked more explosive than, than Habibi Lakio or Van Buren had. And so, like, I don't think anybody's going to be supplanting Halani anytime soon. But I wonder if someone like him could be that kind of second guy, um, you know, when Boise State is looking for an extra spark in the, in the middle games going forward. Or, for example, I think maybe the best example is someone like, um, you know, Stephen Cobbs, who only had one target, uh, but it went 61 yards for a touchdown. Uh, he also had an 81-yard punt return for a touchdown. And so, you know, I I just wonder if it's going to be, you know, those types of players, you know, maximizing the limited opportunities that they've received in, in games like this, whether Boise state, now that they know they might be able to count on them for more later on, whether we're going to actually see more of that. I will say um, that was good. Like special teams, because you don't have like Avery Williams and those guys last year, like they've been known for years to have that. So the kid that continuing trend is always good. Mm-hmm. To see, um, so he, he even got he got one carry, but minus one, like whatever. But like he had two big plays, two touchdowns. You have yeah. Shakir played fine, but I don't know. Like going back to the, like the running game overall, I'm mildly concerned 
Because it's UTEP. It's like, what are we really going to know about UTEP? We knew when they played the minors, it was going to be get some backups in there. They'll get an early lead. They'll play fine. That's why they only scored 13 points the second half doesn't concern me either. They're up so big. It's like, who cares? You know what I mean? Just play your mm-hmm. game. But then again, it's like to, my concern level is kind of getting there a little bit because if you go back to last year, George Fawney was hurt, didn't play, or whatever, whatever reason it was COVID or not, but injuries as well. Didn't play last year very much. Hasn't played a ton this year. He'll, you would think if it's his first game back, at the very least in the first half, give him more carries enough that maybe at least ten. Mm-hmm. And he has like eight in the first half where he gets a good chunk of run, a good chunk of plays. He only gets five. And so yeah, that's I, mean, I, wish, I wish I could see, or I wish I had it in front of me, because you know, you know, kind of to your point, UTEP did have nine tackles for loss in this game, and so I'm wondering, like, you know, just kind of skimming through the, the play chart, how many of those came when like Boise State was trying to, you know, basically put the game out of reach in that first half? Because if if those if those tackles for loss came when the game when the game was already well out of reach. Then that might not necessarily be a, bit, be a big deal, but if it was the kind of thing where you know, Boise State was scuffling, even though Hank Bachmeyer was able to kind of you know ball out and keep it from ever being a, a real challenge, you know, then that might be something that you know, I would imagine the coaching staff is going to take a closer look at at practice this week or things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's like they got. I'm looking right now in the second half. Like, looks like there might be. So far, I'm just opening up the depth chart to see, or not depth chart, but the game log. Trying to see a couple here. Nothing like I went through the first five, first what four or five possessions. No mm-hmm. TFLs as far as I could. And the second half would drop big. Like if it's if it's in second second half, I don't really care. And it might be I don't know, maybe one in the second half if I'm reading this correctly. If I'm going quickly, but I would have to look more closely to get that detail. But it looks like there weren't many, if any at all, in the second half of TFLs. Mm-hmm. So. Take what you want from that. If it mostly came in the first half, but then again, you're up 41 to 13. We're nitpicking about what's going on. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a nitpick, but, you know, it's the kind of thing where, you know, the, the schedule is only going to get more difficult again from here, you know, with Oklahoma State coming to the blue next weekend. Yeah. That'll and so, be... you know, I would imagine that, you know, Bron- the Broncos wanted to have all of their ducks in a row. And, like, we, we talk about this, like, like it's it's like a like a deal breaker for their title hopes or anything like that, and maybe that's sort of unfair because so many other things went right. You know, like Bachmeyer threw for over 300 yards, and he he looked like you know the kind of quarterback that everybody kind of expected him to be all along. Like when he had time to throw, he was able to hit it. He was able to hit his open yeah. receivers, and they were able to get a lot of chunk plays. You know, Cobb's had the long touchdown. Khalil Shakir caught seven of his eight targets for 166 yards. Um, and even when fumble, yeah, recovery and, touchdown. And even when Boise State wasn't able to capitalize, you know, completely on all of their scoring opportunities, Jonah Dalmas was also four four on on uh, field goal tries as well. So, you know, harping on the running game, it, it, it like I said, it may be a little bit unfair, but I think especially you know for a, an offense that has always strived to be balanced, rather than foisting everything onto one element of of the offense or another. It's still sort of a wait and see situation, I think. I just like I want to see more, yeah. especially if it comes down to it. Like if they're if they're in like a you know a third and two situation in the third quarter and they need to extend a drive in order to like you know tie the game or, or you know take the lead or something like that against the Cowboys next week. I I still don't really know if they're going to be able to do that, and so like I said, it's sort of a wait and see. 
Yeah, that was my big thing. Like, if Lonnie didn't play and he's healthy, give him a bunch of first-half carries and let him rest. Yeah. So, see, that's my only thing. Five. So it's like, eh, we'll see. And you're right, the depth has always been there at running games. Well, maybe they have the depth with these guys, but we'll see. All right, so North Dakota, Utah State. Aggie fans, you can breathe a sigh of relief. 48 to 241. But for a while, I, you saw the DMs with our buddies there. I was like, what is going well, what's going on is they had a really hard time stopping the pass early on. Lost last week, and then Utah State struggling down twenty-one to seven in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a reason Andrew Peasley should even be playing for Utah State at the moment at quarterback? Like I know, I mean, Coach, he said that there's a minor in, like Logan Bonner apparently not fully healthy, but he still almost had four hundred yards and four touchdowns. Looks pretty good to me. I was to say, he looked a lot, lot healthier this week than he did yeah, last week. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Like, they play, they passed the ball well, they ran the ball well. The comeback is what you really want to see because last year Utah State, like, remember those games that seemed like they gave up a lot of the games last year when yeah. they were kind of close and then just kind of fall through off and they made a, a slow comeback to be down one at halftime. That fourth quarter was really big where they really put it on. But that's what I want to see. Like, the passing game is really, obviously, Devin, like, Tompkins is amazing. They had, what, four touchdown passes, receptions. Like, all these guys were catching the ball from Derek Wright, Tompkins, to a Brandon Bowling, all played well. Deep passing plays as well. Like, like I don't care who you're playing. The, the comeback is what you want to see. And the team put up points in beating down an opponent they should beat easily. It was good to see. Defense played well, the, especially the rush defense. Pass defense, got the picks, but North Dakota could throw the ball pretty well, and so they kind of got the Aggies there a little bit early on. Yeah, well, I mean, you say they, it was a team that they should have beaten down pretty easily. Let's not forget North Dakota is a top 10 FCS team. Hey, and so if I think this team, I don't care. Well, I mean, I think, <laughs> I, you know, I, I just think it's sort of like the improper framing for, for what this uh, is because yeah, I, I think it's important to, to recognize like, you know, Utah State, for the most part, even when they fell behind, they, they bottled up Otis Wea pretty well. You know, he only, even when they raced out to that 21 to 7 lead, you know, Wea only had seven carries for 28 yards in that first quarter, and half of that came on on like one 16-yard run. And that's what we da- talked about before. Like, hey, watch him. Yeah, and that, and that, but you know, so most of the damage early on was done by you know by the the Fighting Hawks quarterback Tommy Schuster, who was nine for 11 in that first half. And you know, what was it? Three different guys ended up throwing a touchdown. So it uh, wasn't like North Dakota was wasn't like pulling out all the stops to try and, you know, get every edge that they could against the Aggies. And it's to their credit that, you know, they, they, they got punched in the mouth. You know, they, they, uh, they responded. And that I well, think is the more important thing because, you know, Schuster was, you know, nine of 11, but then he finished 21 of 43. You know, he had a couple of interceptions, you know, both of which were by Justin Rice, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, that, that defense in particular responded in a way that they probably would not have responded last year. You know, the offense, I think, is the headliner, you know, by, by virtue of the fact that, especially through the air, they were creating more explosive plays than we saw during any stretch under Gary Anderson. But I, I think it's important to recognize that it was the, de- you know, the defense too that, you know, Wait, made adjustments. Three yeah, points. they made adjustments. They stopped, you know, they stopped North Dakota from being able to kind of throw the ball at will. And, you know, they enabled, you know, Bonner on offense to just you know, kind of, you know, pitch and catch more or less. And and it looks like, I would imagine, you know, if if he hasn't claimed the QB1 job without an or on the depth chart this time next week, 
I'm going to be very surprised by that. It's There's no reason it shouldn't be. But yeah, defense, like it was right, both the picks. They had six TFLs, multiple QB hurries. So my I'm saying with you, the most impressive thing was like defense held their own. Cause they had to because they were getting beat up in the first quarter. But the comeback and the defense over – not overshine, but that was the main thing. The offense – it's a, they, they all played well after the first quarter, but mm-hmm. I do. Like you mentioned the comeback, impressive because last year they folded. Defense made the big play, especially like you said with what Schuster did early on. That stopping him after that, yeah, he had 345 yards, but most of that was that first little bit. And so Aggies have confidence in it two and zero. It's going to be Bonner as a QB next week. They're already uh, they play Air Force, but they're double digit underdogs. So we'll see how that goes on the road next uh, next weekend. But like I'm glad they won big. I'm glad they had to come back. They were the only glaring thing was just a slow start, which they can't do against better teams. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, other than that, if if I guess if I were going to quibble about anything, is that even when they were you know putting it together later in the game, there were still only four of sixteen on third downs, and while you know a lot of that was offset by the fact that that Blake Anderson proved to be like super aggressive about trying to extend drives, they were also four of six on fourth down, which. I'm trying to, I, you know, it's, it, I mean, we like it when they're, when, when coaches are aggressive on fourth down, it's just sort of still kind of rare to see that many fourth down tries. I'm all for so, it. Yeah. So I would imagine, you know, that they're going to try and emphasize, you know, being able to move the chains with maybe a little less pressure on the line. But yeah, all in all, like, you know, they, they took a very good team's best kind of initial shot and they responded. And so I think that that bodes well for where Utah State is is kind of trending as the season's going to progress. I would just say one last thing: the running game did fine. However, it's skewed by one long Andrew Peasley run. Well, I mean, where, I think even beyond that, you know, like we we have, we didn't really talk about Calvin Tyler, but Calvin, Calvin Tyler was solid. You know, fourteen, no, he 30, did. seventy-two yards and score. And mm-hmm. even the guys behind him, you know, smaller sample size, of course, but you know, uh, Ella Leon Noah had 10 carries for 45 yards, you know, four and a half yards per carry is still in itself a pretty big improvement. Oh, yes. from like the running game was, so it was definitely more of a, a committee effort. And yeah, like you can, you can take away that one big run, but between Tyler Jr., Noah and John Gentry, you know, that like what we were talking about, I think in, in the Aggies preview over the summer is like, we were totally sure what we were to get from that same trio. Or, or at least from from Noah and Gendry, who are the main kind of returnees. And so far, the early returns on that has been very promising as well. Like, Bonner's obviously the headliner, and, and Devin Tompkins, who you mentioned a minute ago, has been kind of oh, like yeah. the, the the breakout guy through two weeks. But I think we should give credit to, you know, to offensive coordinator Anthony Tucker for kind of, you know, pulling the whole thing together. Yeah, because that's what Peasley's going to be used for. He's going to come in and play. He's going to be kind of what Nick Starkle was for San Jose State last year. Or, excuse me, um, Nick Nash for San Jose State. Yeah. Comes for a couple of plays. Like, he, this, he went two for four, 14, and then the big 59-yarder and a touchdown. I'm assuming that's what they'll use him as, because that's what the reason last year he was able to move around to do a couple of things. So that's where I think he'll kind of be in, this, in the case. He'll be Bono the starter. Peasley do those probably, what, six snaps a game or something, and probably four of them are running plays for the oh, most nice. part. So, yeah. And so, but yeah, everything else, we'll see the player for us because Washington State's whatever, they're an okay Pac, not an okay Pac-12, they're a bad Pac-12 team, but they come from behind North Dakota. Good weekend, like a good, solid, good things we wanted to see. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We get to Saturday. Um, I guess the first game, I don't know why I might order here. Matt, again, I shouldn't use ESPN because I know UNLV Arizona State was not the first game of the day. It was like the no, last first game. game of the day was, uh, was Wyoming was top actioned. Oh my gosh. Like I was, part of the game I was listening on the radio. I'm like, oh, they're going good the first half because driving around. I didn't see it until the second half, which I'm glad I saw the second half because it's amazing. But yeah, they're 28 to 10 to halftime doing well. I'm like, okay, it's a solid victory. It, they, they're going wrong. They're going to win. And then. Second half? Okay, they're up, what, four, was it 42-16 after the... 42-16 with pick six, six minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah, the pick six to go up huge, and then the defense decided to, ooh, we're okay. Offense is going to fumble the ball. We're going to, everything went downhill. Like, they tried to turn on, like, the back-to-back, like, was 42-22, they went for that uh, on the, was it the turnover on downs? Like, yeah. oh, we're at the 10-yard line. Fourth and one, Xavier Valid, or... What, not fourth one, but what, fourth and whatever, five or something. They run it for some reason. <laughs> he gets four yards to get stuffed at the 10, then touchdown, fumble, touchdown, punt. Like, one week could do nothing right after that 10 play drive. Like, what, like, you're at 42-22. Why would, like, you're at the 10 near there. Why not just kick the field goal? Like, what's the point for touchdown? Like, I don't get why that was kind of weird, right? Like, why not kick the points? I mean, I think the idea is if, if I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about when they, they first turned it over on downs in the first yeah. quarter, right? Yeah, after the back-to-back touchdown. Or I think the idea is like, you know, if you've been able to move the ball to that point, and to that point, you know, Northern Illinois hadn't really proven that they could stop them at all. Um, you know, the 10-play the drive, and then they had an 8-play drive, you know, both of which went 65 yards. And, and at that point, they were down inside the red zone again. They were at the Northern Illinois 14. So I don't know if I necessarily have a problem with, you know, what they were thinking at that point. It's just, you know, process, the process, in my opinion, just didn't work out the way that they expected it to. Yeah, you're not wrong. To, me, it's, to me, I think it's more a matter of, like, did the defense just kind of – did the defense take their foot off the gas? More yes. Yeah. Because – like they get the turnover downs, they go ninety yard drive essentially, which is not or ninety whatever ninety something eighty something yard drive. First play, the like it's not all the defense. Offense fumbled the very next play, and they mm-hmm. scored a play. So it's like you could they get a quick and easy score after that. So it's like okay, all right, forty two thirty six, like just really quickly, just like that. Like mm-hmm. they it took them five plays to get two touchdowns. Yeah, and then offense goes three and out. Like, that's a little concerning, like, also, we shouldn't go without note. Moyle, we did score 50 freaking points in this game as well. Like, 
Who wins last time they put up 50? I'd look and see, but it's been a long time. They put up even like 35 points, it seems like. Mm-hmm. So it's not all the points, but it's not just a defense that kind of fumbled and fell apart in the second half or just kind of let it up. The offense had – their second half offensive possessions were non-existent outside of the last touchdown drive, which they desperately needed to go well, – and- and Sean Chambers too, like on the whole, he had a pre- he had a pretty good day. Yeah, but you know he, you know for like you know I I can understand like why they put the ball in his hands to just try and bleed clock and things like that. But you know after getting stuffed at the at the Northern Illinois ten, like the very next drive, he they yeah. you know they had a fumble. Yeah, and then the drive bit. after that, you know he was you know he was he fumbled again, and then that was right before they punted, and you know they went backwards ten yards. Yeah, you know, they set up you know Northern Illinois at midfield. And and that is a very kind of un Wyoming like type of, of development. And so, you know, that I think is is definitely that is something that Chambers will learn from in the long run, I would imagine. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, what he did over the course of sixty minutes is is, in my opinion, like an, another step in the direction that I think Wyoming fans were hoping to see this year. Because you know, like eight carries, 16 yards, and a touchdown. Not quite as prolific as he was against Montana State a week ago. But overall, he had a pretty good day throwing the football, too. Like 13 of 23, 204 yards, two touchdowns. You know, he had, you know, some big play connections. You know, not only with uh, with Isaiah Nair, who I think was the, kind of the, the, the highlight creator in this game. You yep. know, eight, eight, what was it, four catches, uh, 87 yards, and two touchdowns. But, you know, I never heard, had a couple of big plays. Xavier Valade was able to catch a couple of swing passes out of the, out of the backfield. One big one. So it, you, you got a little bit of the, a little bit of the bad with a, with a lot of the good, I would say, in Chambers. And so, you know, if, if they can take better care of the football, which I would, I would imagine, you know, then Craig Bull's probably not going to stand for that, uh, you know, no. as, they're, as they're looking ahead. Um, but I think overall, like even despite the uh, the near kind of collapse, that Wyoming fans still have a lot to feel good about. Like the you know the defense 50 they, points, fifty points, come on. Yeah, and, and the defense forced like what was it three interceptions? They had um yeah three picks yep against Lombardi. One was returned for touchdown. Yeah, three picks, two sacks, six TFLs. I think you, like it wasn't pretty. And they almost gave it away, but you know they. They did exactly what they did against Montana State a week ago, too. Like, you know, they they stepped up and they made plays down the stretch when it counted. You know, they got the ball back with five minutes to go, you know, drove down the field with five. their, you know, with, with, with what was probably their most extensive drive of the day. You know, 10 plays, 75 yards, you know, gave Northern Illinois the ball back with about a minute and a half get left. And then the defense stepped up, made, you know, they, they allowed one first down, but they shut it down from there. Midfield, that's about it. So, yeah. It's, it's bad, too, because here's the thing, too, special teams. NIU got the ball at the 42-yard line. Yeah. They only had to go 50-something yards, 58 yards, and they went minus four yards. Or, no, sorry, they gained a few yards. My bad. They got the first time, like you said. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, that could have been a disaster. The kickoff, the return, they're like, oh, boy. They get the ball at their own 42. The way they ended moving, like, the last drive before 10 plays – like they had the previous drive, they had two in that half that were over ten plays, mm-hmm. and so well, they can possibly do it again. And it was concerning when they got on the th- when they get the first down on third and ten with the twelve yard pass play. It's like let's see what happens. Then defense went co- four straight incompletions. Exactly. 
And at least they didn't get beat Jacksonville State style versus Florida State, so that, that's a plus, right? That's, that's true. <laughs> they're deep past, but 50 to 43, they're 2 and 0. Wyoming, um, are they, um, they got, um, what, Ball State next week, right? They got Ball State. Ooh, boy. That's gonna be, a, that's gonna be a fun game. I'm looking forward to that one. It's gonna be a good one at home, afternoon kickoff at uh, War, War Memorial Stadium. Alright, next game. Is it the, Let's um, play so great defense. We fire offensive court. You make your team fire the offensive coordinator and Air Force winning twenty three to three. Is that where we're going? How much of this game did you watch? A little bit, not as much as I wanted to. Yeah, Navy. Navy's awful, man. <laughs> they are bad. I'm like, this was a slowest of slow burns because zero to zero, seven to three, seven to zero, nine to zero. So it's not like Navy was ever really out of reach in this game, but they kind of were despite Air Force scoring points like, you know what I mean, like not scoring until the second quarter, taking their time to score. It, t- it took a, it took the offense a little while to get going because, you know, they had the, uh, you know, they had, yeah, they only had gained a one first down on both of their first two drives. And then, you know, what was it? Navy actually had a three nothing lead before Air Force was able to get on the board. You know, the Falcons had, you know, three, three straight, you know, they had three and outs. Um, before, you know, missing a field goal off of a Navy fumble. So like they, they had opportunities early on. And I guess, you know, it is sort of mildly disappointing that the offense wasn't able to do more early on. Tell me the back to back drives of three plays minus three yards is not positive building for you. <laughs> not, not really. No. I watched that first quarter was awful. It was terrible. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It was so bad. They had everything. It was a punt. It's the first drive, seven plays for only twelve freaking yards. I'm like, what is going on here? Like, I struggled. I'm like, give me some more Wyoming in Northern Illinois. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like Nate, like we talked about, like at the, at the end of the game, what John Radzinski's defense ended up doing to the middies. You know, they, they you know, they 68 yards of total offense in the entire game. Um, on 44 plays, you know, for, for those of you who aren't math majors out there, that's one and a half yards per play. In that first half, though, Navy actually outgained Air Force on a per play seven, basis. It was 73, 73 to halftime. And I'm like, do I have to keep watching? Do I? I don't think I could. Yeah, I and, and he, Zeke Daniels didn't necessarily look that sharp. Like he was only, you know, I think three of 10 overall. Um, and they didn't necessarily need him to be that sharp because, you know, the running game was eventually able to get things going. Barely. But, you know, in that first half particularly, he was only one of six for 10 yards. And I think, you know, that's something that, you know, if, if Air Force wants to be, you know, a, a top tier contender out of the Mountain Division and, and really compete, they're going to need that passing game at some point. Yeah. Like, and and his, even, Daniels, uh, that's still something that I think, you know, maybe he's he's still kind of working himself into or something yeah. like that. I, I just don't know because, you know, over the over, – and, and, again, he's still only, I don't think, started even the, the equivalent of a full regular season's worth of games. So I'm, I'm trying my best not to be too hard on him. But it is something that you're going to have to see a little more consistently at some point because, you know, we it seems like Micah Davis is a keeper. You know, his one catch went for 27 yards. Um, and he seems to know that, you know, hooking up with Kyle Patterson, the tight end, is a good idea whenever the occasion allows for it. You know, he had two catches for 22 yards. But, you know, they might just need a touch more of that at some point. And because, you know, maybe they can't always lean on, on Daniels himself being able to kind of carry the ball, which I think he had 17 carries last week against Lafayette, and he had 14 more again. 
you know, maybe he can't always shoulder that type of load without, you know, getting nicked up or something like that. Um, or maybe Brad Roberts gets stuffed a little more often than he has been in the first couple of weeks. You know, he ended up with 29 carries for 97 yards and two touchdowns. To me, that's a box score that speaks of winning a war of attrition more than anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, because Navy's, like, the running game for Air Force wasn't great. Like, Navy's defense did a decent job. Like, yeah, like, you know, they only, they only had six tackles for loss, but I think what, how many, how many plays did Air Force actually run? Air Force ran at 59 times, 69 plays. Yeah, so, so, they, so like they basically, you know, they had a, they had a, you know, basically a, a, a stop of some kind, either at or behind the line of scrimmage, one out of every six or seven plays. They were, Air Force only ran the ball three yards on the ground per play. That's yeah. That's not good. And that includes whatever sack stuff, but it's not good for an Air Force team that probably should have at least 250 yards a game. No. At least. No. And so there's that. And then they were only set 7 of 18 on third downs is not good. And so there's, that's, there are some, like, I don't know how good the Navy defense really is, but Air Force didn't play, like, yeah, they scored 23 points. They win by 20. Great. Awesome. Defense was amazing in this game, but the offense leaves a lot to be desired at the moment. Because, like I said, they play, they're 11 point favorite when they play Utah State, and Utah State has defenders on their team that can make plays. And they also- That defense, that Falcons defense though? Yeah, I know. (laughs) That Falcons defense looks like they could, they could drag the Falcons to a division title. Even if, even if the offense doesn't come all the way around every single week. No, you're not wrong. Remember, they fired the long time OC after the game because of what happened. That's what I'm like, saying. Uh, and and you know, they did that. You know, like obviously the the total yardage number is the one that gets the most attention. But to me, is the fact that they they sacked Navy five times and generated nine tackles for loss. To me, one point one yard rushing attempt with sack yardage included. That's ridiculous. You know, to me, seeing you know someone like Demonte Meeks, for example, you know nine tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss, quarterback hurry. That guy seemed like he was everywhere. Well, you got T.D. Blackman, Alec Mock, Jonathan Youngblood. Like, that rotation is deep there. Remember, like, some of these guys didn't play last year because they're turnbacks, and that's what we were saying. Our buddy Sean, you said, I said, like, the defense basically returned, like, 17 starters if compared, you know what I mean? Like, guys from 2019 and last year, like, they bring back almost a, one, almost a whole two deep who's much, a lot of, or not the stupid English, but a ton of starting and playing experience on the two deep. Like, that's what I joke. Like, 17 starters are back on defense, but got to play a lot of it, obviously. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, Air Force, I think, especially on offense, still has a few questions to answer. Maybe they're still kind of rounding into form or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, Roberts Roberts looks like a hammer who can at least, you know, kind of tide things over for the time being. And Daniels is solid. I think he still has plenty of room to grow. So it's not like it's not like he's been a net negative to this point or anything like that. Well, his running, 51 yards on 14 attempts is fine for an Air Force quarterback. That's Yeah. That's, but, you know, while the offense is coming around, the defense looks like it should be able to keep them in games week in and week out. And that, nope. and that is sort of, I think, something that we kind of met or, or maybe meets our preseason expectations to this point. Yeah. One last thing. They got five sacks against a triple option team. You get five yeah. sacks. Like, he only passed five times, completed three of them, Maynard did. So what that means, like, they get to backfield and they sack him before he can make the pitch or before he can make his read or toss whatever running play they're trying to do. So that, like, that's pretty big deal where they got back, back there so fast. They're like the fullback, because Army does the fullback dive. That's their main type of play. So, like, they're jumping that and getting him. And 
five sacks in an option team is probably more impressive than five typical sacks in a game against a normal passing team that's going to throw 20 to 35 times. Exactly. All right, what's the next game here? Where are we going? Are we, um, we got a bunch uh, of Leo Grand rivalry? Sure. Let's do that. You got New Mexico, New Mexico State. Aggies lose. Lobos, 2-0, baby. Four-game winning streak. Is it the second longest in Mountain West? I forget. I keep forgetting to check out officially. Or is it the uh, longest? I think it's the longest right now. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it's longest because Fresno lost to Oregon, which, man, Fresno State would have beat Ohio State, just saying. So, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, and it was, it was definitely an interesting game because, it, like, you know, the Lobos didn't necessarily play an A-plus game, but they found ways to kind of work around what, you know, the obstacles that they were running into. Like, for example, they were only – you know, four fifteen on third downs. You know, they didn't really generate you know that much of a pass rush. Like they only credited you know the defense with two quarterback hurries. They didn't have any sacks, and so you know New Mexico State had you know a touch more success throwing the football. They were at least a lot more explosive than they looked in their first couple of games against UTEP and San Diego State. Like you know, combined the two quarterbacks were eighteen of forty five. You know, Jonah Johnson and, and Dino Maldonado. But Maldonado in particular, like they had a couple of big plays and they they did some damage against the the Lobo secondary. There was the I think the the catch and run on a 75 yard slant essentially, um, where there was basically no defender covering the covering the dude over the middle by the time he caught the ball. But other than that, like you know they every time they got hit, you know they found an answer for it, and that's not something you would have said you know in in the last couple of years. So yeah, you know, totally yes. So, like it, like I said, it wasn't a perfect game. Like Andrew Shelley missed a couple of field goals. Although they, you know, to be fair, they were not necessarily gimmies. You know, both of the ones that he missed were forty-nine yarders. Uh, and he did make a forty. He did make a forty-five yarder. And he did make a twenty-four yarder earlier on. Um, but you know, Bobby Cole rebounded and had a very strong game. Twenty carries, one hundred and seven yards. Terry well. Wilson um, is kind of you know he's proving he's a top five quarterback in the conference, in my opinion. Okay. Hey, I'm doing my. I, okay, so on that, I didn't do my quarterback rankings because I want to give it a couple weeks. He might be top five for me. I'll let you guys know this week. Okay. <laughs> I mean, after going 26 of 38 for 385 yards and three touchdowns, yeah. I hope so. He, he, yes, he's up there. Just and see exactly. And more importantly, you know, I think you know they they showed that like they could spread the ball around and get contributions from a number of guys too. Like last week. It was really the story of the young guys, like, you know, uh, Luke Wysong and uh, Keontae Lanier. This game, they were relatively quiet. They both only had two catches, I think, for, for, for 33 combined yards, four catches among the two of them. But yeah, yeah. Manuel Logan Green stepped up, you know, seven catches on, on eight targets and 110 yards and a touchdown. You know, Andrew Erickson, who, who, you know, flew under the radar last year, maybe a little bit, but you know, he answered the bell big time too. Five catches, 75 yards and a touchdown. And, you know, even though the defense sort of played like a maybe a B minus game across the board, they made plays when it counted too. Like when, when New Mexico State was threatening late, you know, Jarek Reed, you know, had the interception to kind of seal the deal. Um, you know, Joey Noble had a couple tackles for loss. They found answers, which is what, which is what good teams do, which is what improving teams do. You know, and, you know, New Mexico State hung around, which, you know, maybe made a lot of Lobos fans a little uncomfortable. Yeah, 
but you know they made plays when it counted, and that is something that you know it's not necessarily the prettiest W out there. But as long as the winning streak keeps going up and up, I don't think anybody in Albuquerque is going to be complaining. Yeah, you keep winning. It's like that's all they care. I don't care who you beat. Yeah, New Mexico State might be 125th out of 130 in FBS ahead of what UMass, UConn, and I don't know Nebraska. Just a couple of teams at the bottom. Like that's a win's a win for them. And now they have a quarterback who can pass the ball. Like they threw the 12 different receivers. It was a game where they were at halftime. They were um, only up 24 to 20. Uh, they had the bad safety there. It didn't help either in that second uh, or third quarter. Yeah, but any win for them, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's, it happened. Whatever dumb thing. It happens. Whatever. You're back that deep. Weird stuff goes on. That's worth two points. It didn't cost them, but a win's a win. I don't care for a team except for a team like where that's been so bad the past while, past couple of years. And you beat rival by nine. Sure, I'll take it. You quarterback plays well. Your running running game plays well. Everybody like defense could be a touch better, but. Like defense, even they got like a couple QB hurries, couple, like a couple TFLs. They got the backfield of Noble that I mentioned too there. So good for Danny Gonzalez, good for Robles. Now they're they are two and zero. Not not many teams can say they're two and zero right now after two games. So there you go. That's true. Go uh, yeah, I mean, and obviously we'll talk about their next matchup. You know, they go to Texas A and M next week. Yeah. Um, hey, they beat oh they beat Colorado by three points, ten to seven, and they lost their starting quarterback too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that more midweek. But yeah, so you're saying there's a chance. Doc Giff. I'm just saying, there's always a chance. <laughs> All right, next game. Are we going to the um, battle of the FCS losers? Yeah, unfortunately, we are. Vanderbilt 24, Colorado State 21. I hate to be right by picking Vandy to win, guys, but <laughs> if you're with me, you pick the winner. But. This game, what was the tweet by, um, oh, I should pull it up. I'll find out where we're going here. But here's the thing. Okay, we can be positive and negative on this game. Positive, first half was really good. Like the first, almost, like first 20 minutes were good in this game. Yes, it was. They were at 14-point lead. They outgained Vegas, just a stat chart, 305 to 120 in the first half. And that was the problem. After that, they only. They gained 44, uh, more was it, 140 yards in the, fight in the second half. Like, the yardage was cut in half. They couldn't do anything in, like, the third quarter. Like, they only gained 40, what's that here, 44 yards in the third quarter. Trip out gained 153 to 44 in the third quarter. Blew a two-touchdown lead against a team that lost to a mediocre at best East Tennessee State FCS team. And what did Vandy score last week? Just three points? Yes. In the loss? And the Rams lose 24-21 because... They, they couldn't move the ball to the first task because Vanderbilt's defense apparently showed up and did something that stopped Todd Santeo and running game of everybody back there, which was no, um, I don't know. It's like, Steven Dazer's in trouble. That's all I'm going to say. Like, he's like, let's look at the positive. I'm like, dude, you're going to start like 0 6. Like, what positive are you going to say after like four weeks? You know what I mean? After four or five weeks. Like, yeah, McBride played well. Santeo played. Fine in the first half, but defense couldn't stop the Seals throwing the ball. They let a bad team come back in who can't score points, come back and score points, trying to get the win. Yeah, I mean, the most troubling part about it is, like, you can't really pin it on one thing. Like, there was a number of things that went wrong that let Vanderbilt get back into the game. You know, like, you know, there were the the pair of targeting penalties in the second half, for example. Um 
you know, like I think yeah, I would say, would it be fair to say disciplined teams don't get popped for targeting, you know, twice in, in the span of like 10 minutes of game time or something like that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like there's that's a big so deal. Like, so like that's one thing. Um, you know, they had a, a you know, I think it was a dropped interception from Thomas Panunzio in, in the I believe it was the third quarter or something like that. And if it yeah. wouldn't have been a pick six, it would have given the Colorado State a tremendous field position advantage that could have set them up for more points. Opportunity. But, you know, they, yeah, it was just like, and that's not necessarily like a, like something that went wrong, like actively wrong, but it was just sort of like that missed opportunity, for example. Um, or, you know, on the other side of the ball, Todd Santeo, like you mentioned, he had a pretty good first half, but there was, the, you know, the, 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 the interception that he threw in the third quarter was just a really poor yeah. choice. Those first two drives, or the first four, I guess, for, or first five, I guess, because Vandy punted. Like, I'm thinking, like, they're 14 okay, whatever. Four, they, it sets up good. Vandy gets the ball, cause they go three and out. They make a punt. Like, okay, got this. And that stupid interception, they get a touchdown, then they go three and out. The Rams, like, that's where it kind of spiraled, where one mistake led to another, led to another, and the offense, like I said, had 44 yards in the third quarter. They had, in the second half of the year, they had almost what? Set, set six drives of four plays or less led to punt, I believe, if I'm correct on there, mm-hmm. and the interception. Like, the lot, the, every drive was four plays or fewer except for the final one. That was nine plays and uh, ended on downs because that's all they had on the four. Four from goal to three. They had their chance there. And what, what are they doing? Like, I don't know. It's, yeah, whatever. They... Get the touchdown, great, but defense fails them in the field goal. It's like, what are you doing? Like, I, it's just annoying because <laughs> I don't want to crap on this team where they make plays to do stuff, but then they have too many stretches of not being a good team. So, and that the so, uh, offense was so bad in the second half. It was brutally bad. I don't know, did Vanderbilt do something different to change up? Because the Rams look like a team that couldn't figure out how to get a paper bag. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, here's I don't know if Steve Odazi wants to talk about the positives. Like, what does Colorado State have to look forward to? Do you think? Because I can I could pick out a few things. I think. But like schedule-wise, you mean, or, or what do you mean? I thought Scott Patchen had another pr- pretty good game overall. He like there are positives. Like the first half, they played well. Like, but blowing yeah. a two touchdown lead to a bad team where you were a touchdown favorite. And there are good things, like the first Ryan, half. Ryan Stonehouse, like the, still a punting god. Yeah, but that's, who cares? I don't, I don't care about your punter. Give me a break. Well, and they also, they also, they were down 21-14 and they did claw their way back into a tie in the fourth quarter. So it's, it, and a lot of that has to do with Trey McBride. Like Trey McBride, every time he was open, Santeo found a way to get the ball to him. Um, you know, he scored the game tying touchdown. Yeah, that, but you know, there's sort of that that same trouble with you know the secondary reliable secondary options because if it's not McBride and it's not right, not Dante Wright, then like you know we still don't really know who else they have, and and maybe some of that is offset by the fact that David Bailey had another pretty good game, you know, 15 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown. So um, basis, why wasn't McElroy playing? Good question. You might have been carried on the depth chart or something. Okay, all right. Just wondering, but like this also game, it's like you get the positive. That's fine. Game two, you blow a lead. It sucks. But people, not many people like to hire in the first place, especially all the crap last year that was alleged about 
how they're practicing and stuff within the athletic department beyond football. So there's a lot of things in how the hire came out to be. It's like, really? You want this guy who ran people out of town like a Heisman Trophy candidate who couldn't come back to town? A guy who tried to get cut with the Atlanta Falcons saying he's a bad dude? Like, there's nothing positive I want to say about the head coach because he always brings up excuses. Or I look on the Twitter thread when he posted the video about, hey, positive stuff. Some guy in there was like, we're young and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Some guy's like, hey, I remember he did BC. You're five. He's talking about young guys. Did you know he had Anthony Brown as his quarterback over mm-hmm. BC? Like, <laughs> come on. What are you doing? It's, I, there's, I, I'm just not a fan of the hire. And I'm not going to be. And this game proves a lot because Vanderbilt made adjustments and the Rams did not in the second half. So did you see that, uh, that column that Sean Keeler had in the Denver Post? Maybe that's what I was looking at. What was that again? I remember scanning. I didn't. I didn't. Think, that's what I was thinking about earlier. What was about what about specifically? Vaguely well, it, remember. It was. It was in part laying out the idea that zero and twelve is on the table for this Rams team. Oh yes, it, it totally is on the table, right? I don't know, man. Here, I think it's, I, I, you know what I said. You know what I said. I think it's easy to overreact. But this is not like a, this is not a reaction. This is coming. This is coming tomorrow, Monday morning. Is what I'm doing. See, I don't want to just automatically press the panic button because, like this this year's team, this year's Rams team is not as good, or is not as bad as, like, for example, last year's Utah State team. It is not as bad as last year's UNLV team. This team has too much talent to keep blowing it like this, and so I think. You know, the, the 0 and 12 rhetoric is like, you know, it's, it's smacks of like just trying to get clicks or something like that. It does, but look at like, really quick, I'll blast this really quick. Can they beat Toledo on the road next week? Yes. No. You did, no way. No. Why? We'll get to it later, but okay. I'm not going to ask why. We'll get to it later. Toledo almost beat Notre Dame and Notre Dame's pretty good this year. And so I, that's, and what is it already like 14 points for Toledo? Is that what it is in that line? I don't have the lines in front of me right now. Whatever, I'll look it up a second here. They're not being Iowa on the road. The problem is, the winnable games they have are not at home. Like, they go to New Mexico, they go to Hawaii, they have to host Nevada, not to be Nevada. I believe they, they host Boise State, not being Boise State. They play Air Force. Air Force is always, I think Air Force is a better team. The one game is maybe New Mexico, and I don't know. Like, just saying, uh, Lobos are, that's probably, they probably, that's probably the one, so if I'm looking at any games, that's the one game I'm saying, yeah, they can win that game. Everything else, where they're playing teams, like San Jose State, they have to play them. They get them at home. That's a tough game to play at the Canvas Stadium. There are no games at home. Them so yeah, they get a home game, so they can beat somebody. They could have beat freaking South Dakota State at home. More competitive with South Dakota State. Like, they go to New Mexico. They go, the games that they can win, like, at, they go to New Mexico. That's a winnable game. They could have beat Utah State. Yeah, but it's on the road in Logan. They go to Wyoming. They go to Hawaii. Hawaii's Maybe winnable, but it's all the way to Hawaii. Like, I, I'm not confident outside of one game they can win. Like, going winless is hard. Like, going, going undefeated is hard, but I only really see one game that's I'm confident saying, yeah, I'm going to pick them to win, and that's at New Mexico. See, to me, talent is not the problem. Because you, when you look at what they've, what they've actually done against South Dakota State and, and, um, and Vanderbilt to this point – what they've done on a per play basis, both on offense and defense, is ex- almost exactly the same. It is both. It is basically like 5.7 yards per play on both sides of the ball. So not, not, not great, but also not terrible. 
to me, it's not a matter of talent. It's a matter of just stopping beating themselves. Like we didn't even mention the fact that, you know, we sort of, we sort of talked around it with the targeting calls, but this is, you know, they had 11 penalties for 115 yards. You know, good mm-hmm. teams are more disciplined than that. You know, I think, you know, if there are potential things that could keep them from kind of reaching their ceiling, I think, you know, one thing that seems particularly troublesome is the secondary, which, yeah. you know, through two games, they only have, I think, two passes defended. They haven't, they don't have any interceptions to this point. Um, you know, the secondary isn't doing them any favors when it comes to winning the turnover battle. Um, you know, they're minus two through two games so far. So like, you know, I could point to things like that to say like, it, you know, if they can't fix it, it's going to be a disappointing year. But this seems like the kind of thing, the, the kind of team where like if they get right, which is like I said, it's not a matter of talent, it's just a matter of being more disciplined, playing, seeing more of what we saw in the first half than what we saw in the second half. That team could create a lot of headaches for teams in the Mountain West. But we just haven't seen it over the course of 60 minutes yet. Who are they beating it? Tell me. Besides Mexico, who are you confident in them beating? beating? They could beat New Mexico. They could beat Utah State. They could, could. beat Hawaii. Yeah, I want confidence. You're not saying they're going to. No, I'm not saying they're going to, but I'm saying they okay. could. I'm saying the over the 0 and 12 relevant the over the 0 and 12 talk is way overblown. Because, you know, a lot it's of things, really, is, is it, is it high, is it a high profile embarrassment? Yes, but it's not time to hit the panic button yet. It's because nobody liked, like the hire. Like, I, nobody likes this move. Like, we'll see. I like, it is too early to 0 12 now, but like, looking at how they played in the first two losses, it's, I know why we did. Like, hey, it's on the table there because the schedule's not easy and the easy games that three mentioned are all on the road. Mm-hmm. The, the, Odds of going, they're, here's the thing, they're probably going to win, they're probably going to go 2 and 10 if we're being realistic here. But that's like getting a lot of, like playing really good and beating some team, like, cause Hawaii's, we'll get to them, they're not playing extremely great. The one that's secondary looks really bad after getting torched by Oregon State. But we'll see. But they're probably going to two wins, but I get it. You get embarrassed week one. You get embarrassed week two versus like one of the worst teams in college football after blowing a double digit lead. And then, Second half offense does literally nothing until that one drive. So, and and again, people don't like to hire, and so that's a lot of it adds up to bad things are coming. And look at and then look at last year. They played the one game. They won the one game. All the was there COVID stuff? Was there not? Are they practicing properly? Are they not? And lose. It's it's just a mess there. So we'll see. All right, let's get to. Uh, I guess we'll go to uh, let's go to UNLV Arizona State. Arizona State's pretty good. Thirty-seven ten. They beat the Rebels. Which is not a shock that they won by any stretch, right, Matt? This was a game that was not expected, but what really is disappointing for me in the game, we'll get to some decent stuff too, because Jalen Daniels didn't play all that great. He didn't need to, but he wasn't really lighting them up down the field. He had a couple of deep plays, but nothing crazy. Brumfield, only 60 yards. They brought in Justin Rogers to play. Charles Williams was, couldn't do anything because Arizona State's pretty good and knew what was coming. Like, this was a game they were vastly overmatched and couldn't find out too much. And when Arizona State realized they could just run the ball, let's just run the ball and not worry about passing. Yeah, I mean, it was – I mean, 
the final score is sort of deceptive, though. Hey, Rebels are three zero, man. You got to take that into account. They were they were winning at some point. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I mean, they they had a couple of nice scoring drives early on, and and you you mentioned they they, they led three nothing, but then you know they had another strong drive early in the second quarter, ten plays, seventy five yards, which was capped by Brumfield kind of leaping over the goal line, flipping over the goal line. I think that was one of the more enduring images of the weekend, really. Yeah. But, you know, they were hanging tough, you know, by halftime. Like, you know, the offense really scuffled as the game wore on. And I think that more than that more than anything is ultimately what did them in. Because, you know, you look at what they did on, a, on like, you know, it's first half, second half basis. First half, they hung around. You know, they, they, they were outgained on a per play basis by the Sun Devils, you know, 5.5 to 4.7. It wasn't really until the second half that Arizona State was able to put the clamps on them. Like after halftime, UNLV only averaged, they averaged fewer than a yard per play. Which they're less is just, three feet, folks. Less yeah, than, I have, I have 14 feet. If I put my feet next to each other, that's probably about what their play was per play. My two sides were feet next to each other. But, you know, to their credit, you know, the defense they played hard, you know. Even it's even hard. when it felt like yeah. even when they felt like the game was slipping away from them, like Jaden Daniels didn't really have that many big plays in the passing game. No, um, you know, no, no Williams, who you know he, he was he missed most of the Eastern Washington game with the with, with the targeting call, I believe it was. Um, you know, he came back. He had a really you know he killed a, an Arizona State drive with an interception. Um, you know, I think you know he's one of those guys that's kind of flying on the radar, but he's definitely on the rise. He's kind of on that leading edge of of, of this rebuild. Um, you know, Jacoby Winman had another nine tackles, had another you know half a sack. UNLV still needs they need playmakers in that front seven because like Winman can't do it all himself, Adam Plant can't do it all himself, and I feel like that's a talking point we're going to come back to over and over again because I think that was the one thing that yeah. really broke UNLV in this game. Kind of to your point, where you know, Daniel didn't really get a lot done through the air because I feel like you know UNLV was playing really tight coverage, but they also left like massive space for him to run in the middle of the field too, which is where you end up with which is where you end up with him getting you know 13 carries for 125 yards. Yeah, because the defense just wore out of steam too because the first two drives they they forced Arizona State to put so it's 14 to 10 midway through that third quarter. Mm-hmm. So it was reasonably close, but in the second half, every single play or every single drive was three plays or less and punted except for one that went four plays. Yeah. So the defense just, when your offense it can only give you, I don't, I didn't time it or anything, but if you're getting three plays every time defense is out there, yeah. coming back out, it's going to wear you on. That's, that's a credit to Arizona State too. Like Arizona State was just playing really tight coverage. Like even when UNLV was moving the ball in the first half, UNLV didn't really take shots down the field. Because Arizona State wouldn't let them, um, it was so, so like they just weren't able to adjust to what Arizona State was giving them as the game wore on. But you know, this is not you know a thirty-seven to ten result. I would say that you have to like hang your hat, hang your head because of you know what I mean. Yeah. Do you want to know? I did the math right now. Would you like to know how many total yards of offense UNLV had in the second half? Um, well, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It's 19. Oh, I thought it was kind of 14, so it's not many. <laughs> like, how is that possible? I, I, we've seen, we've seen it's been done, but that, 
to imagine you only have here's the thing that gives again defense a little bit of credit because I know Arizona State scored what four straight possessions. Mm-hmm. If like you only they only only gave up twenty three points in the second half and you had whatever fewer than twenty yards on total offense. That's kind of amazing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah, and they were working. Uh, so the, you know the defense was working as field position was starting to tilt against them too. Like when when the when late. the dam broke open late. You know, yeah. they, you know, those touchdown drives started at, you know, the UNLV 37, the Arizona State 48. You know, they, they, I think the, the last touchdown drive started at their own 12 yard line. That was the only one where they really marched on the field and put an exclamation point on it. Okay. And then the last, the last field goal took over again on UNLV's side of the field. So yeah, like they, they did what they could under the circumstances. They just couldn't hold up over the course of 60 minutes, but. You know, another thing that that didn't help either is the fact that Brumfield got banged up in the second half, which is why yeah. you saw Justin Roberts under center. Mm-hmm. And so you you sort of have to hope that you know that he gets back to 100, percent that O'Royal will give him the leash to figure this out and engineer this offense because you know if you see more of what the Rebels were able to to offer in the first half, then I think that's a positive sign for the long term. Like yeah, yeah, does it suck to lose always, but you know, this is a team that, you know, is showing improvement when you look beyond the numbers. Defensively, yeah, there's still a lot to go, but, like, Charles Williams was completely shut down. That's also concerning. Just because he figured, for how good he is, he would at least get, like, he had 13 of 35. That's not very much, and only long of six. You would think a guy of that talent could have at least got, I know they're down big, but, like, 70-something yards. Like, that's also not helpful for them. Mm-hmm. Because Brumfield loved the team in rushing, so yeah, the running attack was non-existent because not because they're down, they just couldn't do it, and so nothing was going well. They only ran 51 plays this game. That's all. There's no, like the first half only had a handful of possessions. Like I'm, I was double checking this, like the box score or drive from. Like, is that really only possessions? There weren't that many yeah, possessions. Yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, they had five to four for um, UNLV to Arizona State. A couple of drives were longish, like the whatever. Don't need to go to the math, but it's. Defense just didn't, they weren't, offense didn't give the defense a chance in the second half, even though the defense, like you mentioned, the field flipped, all that type of stuff. Defense wasn't amazing, but they just, all the three outs, you gave them no chance to get a break and rest and figure things out, so. Yeah. So 37-10. Next game, are we, what do we got next? Um, just do a quick Fresno State game that they brushed up on Cal Poly and took care of business. 63 yeah, on What about that pretty one? Pretty good, like, right? <laughs> Yeah, pretty good. Jay Kana pretty well, 380 yards. Ryan Rivers, 60 yards. Josh Kelly, three catches for 127. This was a um, cruising to victory. And also Fresno State is a uh, – they're really good. They – my dark horse pick to win, it's only two game, three games for them, but they're they're doing quite well. Anything you saw from the game that really stood out that needs to be mentioned? Um, I mean, not really. I was, It was sort okay. of – you know, and just another really strong overall performance. Like, I thought that Cal Poly, given what they did against San Diego in their opener, I thought they might do a little more damage through the air. And so I think it's to the Bulldogs' credit that they were able able to really shut that down really quickly. And, you know, so you look at, you know, Spencer Brash only finishing 18 and 33, 212 yards, one touchdown, one interception. That's because, again, you know, the defense as a unit was really getting after the quarterback and getting into the backfield. You know, three sacks, 11 tackles for loss. Oh, boy. That'll do. And half of his passing yards came on three three catches. 
Yeah, like, totally. Exactly. Like, three catches of what? Just over 100, what, nine, about 100 yards were on three catches. So, yeah, there were three big plays, but outside of that, nothing was done. So, like, 15 to 30 was, like, for 100 yards, essentially. Yeah, so, like, you know, the, the defense hasn't let up regardless of the of the level of competition, and I think that bodes well heading into another really big game next Saturday uh, you know, on the road at UCLA. Are you going to make the drive to Southern California for this one? No, I got, I, I've got things to do that weekend. Okay. Just wondering. Hey, is it still 11 points? If it is, take Fresno State, man. Come on. I'm sure it's probably moved by now. Uh, where, where would you be comfortable putting some on the game? Would it need to be, if it's under a touchdown, would you say now? Like, no, what's no, your no, I'm not thinking about it. I'd have to think about it. I saw this 11 when he first put up the tweet. I'm like, that Fresno State can take care of that. Because UCLA is good, but man, I, I'm, I'm all in on the Bulldogs right now, Matt. Them in Nevada, they're my two teams right now, so just so no, you know. That's, I mean, that's that's a good attitude to have. Exactly. All right, next game real quick. We'll go to the other FCS game. Nevada 49, Idaho State 10. Was the sandwich eating gif ten, was actually post-game from this particular matchup? I don't Whoever know. Was I, just I, thought thought it, like, I thought it was a rice treat. I couldn't tell. I just, I, I just thought it looked like a sandwich of some sort, but maybe. But 49-10 Idaho State, Carson Strong, four touchdowns. Total 103 yards on nine carries, by the way. <laughs> and Romeo Dubs did oh, no touchdowns. Disappointing day for him. No kidding. They, they're doing fine. They cruised to a victory yeah, over a That's because it was the Elijah Cook show. It was, yeah. Two for, seven for 89, two touchdowns. Yeah. So they got Cooks. They got Dubs. Horton played well. Cole Turner had a touchdown. Like, this was an all-on performance that we knew was coming. And it, also, wait, wait, did Dom, did I, did I just say Dom Peterson had a touchdown as well? Is that, that correct? That's correct. Defender, giant big man. No, there's no more Peisman award, but that would be up there for a big man touchdown. So, good for him. You're, Victory. you're kind of bearing the lead, too. The defense had eight sacks. Hey, I, I'm an offensive guy, man. I go with points first, so fine. Take your eight sacks and ten TFLs. Way to disrespect Tristan Nichols in his three sack performance, man. I, I apologize, Tristan Nichols. I will. <laughs> I'll send you a DM on Twitter or something. What's up? That's whatever. It, it, no, not whatever. No, great game. QB hurry as well. He had. That's but true. This is all you want. Like you play an Idaho State team, FCS team, just dominate, and they did. And so that also six foot nine quarterback. Um, Nate Cox got a touchdown as well. That's three for three sixty yards. Looked, looked so. pretty good. Three for three sixty yards. That's good. There you go. That's so not bad at all. Good for them. They're two and zero, and still not getting enough votes in the coaches poll <laughs> or AP poll. Well, so they're they're going to get another chance to you know to, to impress some people against Kansas State on the road next week. Dude, they're going to beat Kansas State. We'll talk. We'll talk about the Wildcats a little bit yeah. next week. I'm just saying, I know, that's all I wanted to say, because we're running long here, and we're getting to our final, what, two games here, or one game two left? Two games, yeah. San Diego State, 38, Arizona 14. All, break again. Up, break up the Aztecs? No, Aztecs, come on. No, they're I'm doing kidding, I'm kidding, I'm jesting. <laughs> I, I, I know exactly what you're doing. Aztecs, because I'm not surprised they won. I, I'm a little shocked that the uh, margin of victory, but... When um, the OC was like, we're going to score 50 points a game. We all laughed at them. Well, they didn't get to 50, but Aztecs scoring 38 points is a pretty big deal, right? That's, that's true. It's usually the uh, 20 to 13 victories they get because they're going to run the ball. But this game had what we wanted. Um, you had Brooks. Like, this is the perfect stat line for quarterback for San Diego State at the moment. 10 to 14, 138 yards, and two touchdowns. You know that's, what this is kind of like? You know what this is kind of like? 
what is it like? It feels like, like, like maybe a, a, a like 110% of like the, the best Aztec teams from when they were winning conference titles a few years back. You know what I mean? So man, that's what Christian Chapman like, would do. Turnovers, 10 to 14, two touchdowns, yeah. Yeah, but the, you know, they were, they were more explosive than that, though. Yeah, 73. And I think, it, it almost felt like I was watching the game and I sort of felt like, well, I wonder, I wonder if somebody on staff like listened to our podcast. <laughs> Cause I was, you know, I put it out there. I was like, you know, like it's, it's great that they were able to kind of overcome the slow start against New Mexico State. But, you know, I wanted to just see them be more well-rounded. And then, you know, it seemed like somebody listened to that and said, okay, challenge accepted. Because yeah. Brook, Brookshire looked great. You know, he, you know yeah. the passing game looked sharp. You know, like they didn't necessarily need to throw that ball that often. But when they did, you know, Ethan Dedeau was pulling down a 40-yard touchdown catch. Daniel Bellinger was running all over the field. Three catches, 113 yards, and, and a touchdown on three targets. And then Greg Bell... Yeah, maybe he should have deleted that eighteen hundred yards or, or bust tweet because you know he had over a hundred hundred yards again, one hundred twenty five and a score yeah. on seventeen carries. Guys behind him showed up as well. Chance Bell contributed. Kagan Williams contributed. Gang was all there. We, we haven't even talked about the defense yet. We haven't even talked about the special teams yet. Like you know, they basically this was the most well rounded performance we've seen from San Diego State in a little while. I would say. Sure. Just like Greg Bell. Like remember the Hawaii game last year. Like, this is kind of like that. Like, Greg Bell has that huge run. Passing game is reasonably well. Defense shuts down Hawaii. Like, this, I know Arizona's not great, but they also, like, the defense, defense like, got, Cruz, like, when, when I watched Gunnar Cruz and Arizona play BYU last week, Arizona hung around, but only lost to BYU by eight points. Like, they were with Armitage and Cruz torched that secondary. Like, they, 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 they murdered those two. <laughs> They murdered Cutter Cruz and Will Plummer. Just saying, like, why did he Q and A? Like, oh, it's Cruz. He's the quarterback. Plummer, he might get a couple plays, but it's Cruz. And then end up being Cruz played worse. Like, he got Plummer got the game to do whatever he did. Had eight, seventeen hundred nine yards, but Cruz ten, nineteen, seventy, a touchdown. They had what four sacks, TFLs, four sacks, eleven TFLs. Three hurries, yeah, and they were, like, it was multiple people. It wasn't just one guy because you had, like, McDonald with a couple of TFLs a sack. You had Thomas with a sack and a TFL. You had Hawkins in the backfield. You had Lucky back there. It wasn't just one guy. It was multiple people. They had, what do you got here, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different players had a TFL. That's wild. That's Def- pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and then somehow, okay, here's the thing. Remember how I told you my sneaky, my sneaky upset, San Diego State, Utah? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I don't know how Utah's favorite in this game by a touchdown, but Aztecs might upset my Utes next week, so that, that, that's a real possibility. Can we also talk? Can we talk about Matariza for a little for a minute? What about Matariza? What do you got? He's he's somehow he's a better punter than he is a kicker. Because he missed a kick. <laughs> well, no, but, okay, so he missed a fifty-seven yarder at halftime. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but but have you seen his stats for the first couple of games? Well, I see he had a. This game seven to three seventy two and along a sixty six kick. Yeah, so so five of his seven punts went for over fifty yards in this game. Three of them were landed inside the twenty. He averaged fifty three yards a punt. Uh, as of right now, and again, two games, so very small sample size, but sixteen punts, fifty five point two percent average. Is that net average or just like punt average actually? Just just like raw average. So like I, I'd have to go and, and open up another tab to see what the, the net fine. average is, but like. Oh. Good lord! <laughs> <laughs> yes, move up, Ryan Stonehouse. Get out of my way. I want this guy instead. 
<laughs> like, like I, I kind of, I kind of hope there was like a, like a football anime out there somewhere where there's like a, like one of those really super dramatic slow motion, like intricate, like 30 second sequences of someone punting a football and it's like, you know, <laughs> screaming into the atmosphere or something like that, the stratosphere. Like, I want to see that scene, but like with Matt Arise's head, like pasted on whatever the character is. That seems to be like how he's kicking at this point. Like it's, it's remark, like we love specialists on this show. So mm-hmm. I had to give him a shout out. No, that's good. So let me ask you this really quick. Have you done your, I know you said the purple late on s- Sunday night. Have you filled yours out yet? I have not. Who, I, I, who, where does the, my, let me get mine up here, but we have Nevada's really good. Fresno State. The West is good because we know the West is good. Out of the three Western teams, not overall, Nevada, Fresno, San Diego State, like who's your top team at the moment? Nevada. Okay. Without question. Okay. I just wonder. Where would you put San Diego State? At a first no or no? That's a good question. I mean, I, I, I'd have to look at the numbers. I have to kind of look back at the games a little bit because I feel like you can make fairly convincing arguments for both at this point. I think you could. So mine, I actually have Nevada. This is overall Nevada, Fresno, San Diego State, my top three. And, well, and I would I would also say don't so like let's not they didn't play this week let's not sleep on San Jose State now either. Well, currently just probably because who opponents they played FCS and all that type of stuff. I have them at six overall just because it's early. You play you only have one win. You lost USC who doesn't seem to be very good ever getting dumped by Stanford. But it's my just I'll go through my top six: Nevada, Fresno, Aztecs, Boise, Utah State at five there, and San Jose State six. But it's going to fluctuate here and there when they. Play more opponents, but that's but the West is free. It's freaking amazing. So watch these games in the West West Division. Watch all the games. That's all we get to. Maybe if you're not a Hawaii fan, since they lost forty five twenty seven to Oregon State. Um, Matt, can I ask you a question? I thought the or more of a statement. What happened to the um state uh, the Hawaii secondary? They didn't uh, seem to play this well this game. I thought that's supposed that, to be good. that would be correct. <laughs> Um, man, I mean, I don't even know where you start because it's it's not like the it's not like Oregon State was dealing with like a huge field position advantage either. No, like, but they got a over the, over the course of the game, they had eleven total drives. You know, the st- average starting field position was their own twenty eight yard line. So, you know, average, not necessarily great, but you know, they basically took the ball on offense and shoved it right down Hawaii's throat all night yeah. long. Um, you know, that I think is troubling, especially with, you know, the early performance, you know, Chance Nolan seemed to kind of seize the starting job, if not for the, for the going forward, at least for a week, you know, 21 to 29, 302 yards and a touchdown, but he did a huge amount of damage early in the game. And I think that speaks to another, another kind of lingering problem for these warriors. You know, Nolan was nine of nine in that first quarter for 113 yards and a touchdown. Um, as a team, Oregon State racked up 219 yards and pushed it to 21 to nothing before, you know, the mm-hmm. second quarter even started. Slow starts. Yeah, like if they get behind three touchdowns or even 17 points to teams like San Jose State, Nevada, that could score a lot of points. Fresno State, they're toast. starts. Yeah, because... I'm repeating that for emphasis because like that, that like basically since the beginning of last year, like when Hawaii gets off to a slow start, like, you know, the Boise, 
Yeah, like to their credit, like they they made it a, a, a reasonably uncomfortable game kind of later in the second half. I think they got it to within 31 to 20 by the end of the third quarter. But that, that doesn't happen if they're not just looking totally inept on offense either in that first yeah. quarter. Punt, punt, then touchdown. The first two drives were punts, so they're down 14 0. And, and even when they started moving the ball more effectively, you know, Hawaii still looked like they had a problem kind of, you know, protecting Siobhan Cordero. And so that's where you end up with stat lines where he's completing under 50% of his passes. You know, and, and, and once again, leading the team in rushing, you know, yeah. 331 yards to the air, two touchdowns, but also two interceptions. It's, it just seems like a problem that every time he drops back the pass, it seems like he's moving out of the pocket immediately or he's just under pressure immediately. And I don't know that there's an easy fix for that right away because, you know, that's where you get things where, you know, even when they want to try and get the ball down the field, like, you know, Calvin Turner ended up with 18 targets in this game. Yeah. Only caught seven. Only caught seven. Because we still don't know, like, if, you know, and Nick Martiner was the other guy who went over 100 yards, six catches for 110 and a score. But we still don't know, like, how consistently he's going to be able to get open. It seemed like, you know, the, the Cordero, I think it was especially on that second uh, interception that he threw. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he looked like he threw it off his back foot. You know, it's sort of like bad habits that are really hard to break when you don't have time to set your throws even. To me, that seems like the kind of thing, like we were talking in the preseason where Hawaii could look like a dark horse if they if they fix their problems. Kind of seems like they haven't. And the running you know, they, they might still surprise from, you know, here and there. But it seems like if they can't get it fixed, like, right away, because they they host San Jose State, I believe, next weekend in, in the Mountain West awesome. opener for both teams. Unless they get that fixed, you know, they're gonna, it's gonna be a really frustrating rest of the season because this team has a lot of promise. So, you know, it's sort of like we talked about earlier with, with Colorado State. I don't think talent is the problem. I think there's just a couple of key things that if Hawaii can't get it cleaned up, it could hold them back from reaching their ceiling. I would say the biggest thing is what we talked to the preseason. Shivan Cordero can't lead the team in rushing attempts or yards, which he's done what, twice, I'm guessing? I, don't, I should pull it up at least once this game. He's running too many times. They have no running game, and that's a problem. Like, that was one of our biggest things. And we thought the defense would be better, too. I don't know why it's struggling so so much, but it's, you're right. It's just like last year. No running game. Cordero's running for his life. The offense, slow start. They make a comeback and still lose by two touchdowns. It's the exact same story as last year. We figured it'll be taken care of because Calvin Turner would do more things offensively, which he's doing. But, like, D.D. Hunter's not – he had three carries, three attempts. It's like, who's the running back? Is it Calvin Turner or not? Because Calvin Turner can't be on the field for – let's see, they ran, what, 50, 80, 78 plays. Is he going to be on the field for 60 plays and get 30, t- 30 targets or touches? Like, that's a lot. That's – you know what I mean? Like, you said he had 18 att- – or, Pat, what, 18 targets? 18 targets. So 18 targets, so 18 plays toward him, plus 10 rushing plays, that's 28, 28 plays that are directed toward him. That's almost half your offense right there. I'm not sure how many plays he actually was on the field for, but that's focusing so much on one guy. Hawaii, Hawaii's biggest lot. problem, and it, it reared its head on both sides of the ball in this game, and it's, it's sort of like, you know, the biggest red flag I have about them going forward. They get beat way too often in the trenches than a contender <laughs> should. 
And, mm-hmm. and part of that, you know, like you said, that's where you end up with Cordero having to run and, and kind of scramble way more often than he should. And while, while Day Day Hunter and Dedrick Parson are getting stopped, that's also how you, you basically generate no push on defense either. You know, they had one sack and two tackles for loss courtesy of Ote Baker. Um, you know, they didn't get anything else. It also didn't help that Darius Buasal got pop targeting in this game too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he, I believe, I can't remember exactly what happened in the game. I think he's going to miss the first half of the San Jose State game next year or next week. If it, if it happened in the second half, he would. Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I know, like, that's, that's a big deal because, like, we know he's their biggest playmaker. Um, it's just, you know, and, and that's also where, you know, when you don't get push up front, that's where, you know, you know, Chance Nolan can make, you know, hay through the air. That's also where the running back BJ Baylor runs for 171 yards and three scores as well. Like the, the, if they can't get better on the offensive and defensive lines, you know, they're, they're kind of doomed to a subpar season before it even really gets underway. Yeah, I guess I also need to remove contender status from them from going forward until they prove otherwise. Cause they're a team that they're lucky they get to Mexico State twice because the bowl game might be a stretch for them. Because you're telling me, not to blast real quick, they host San Jose State, they're not going to win that game. They're lucky they host San Jose State and Fresno State and San Diego State. So they host all these tough teams. So they might be able to trip somebody up. But even if they're hosting those three teams, they're not beating all three of those. They're not beating Nevada on the road. They're not getting that third straight victory. Like, they'll probably get like UNLV, CSU, Possibility that's three. New Mexico, New Mexico State twice. This might be like a five-win team. Yeah, I mean, they still have the capacity to surprise. I, but until otherwise, I'm not going to lean in that direction. But I, but I, but I do sort of think like it's not the same exact situation. But I do think that they and Colorado State are in kind of the same boat right now. They are miles ahead of Colorado State, I would say. The, the potential for Hawaii to be much to win more games, like if you look at who has the better, even though the division is more difficult in the West. Like, I would put expectations to Hawaii to rebound and get more wins way, way ahead of CSU. I get your point, but I don't see the ceiling for CSU is nowhere near what Hawaii's ceiling is overall. I guess we'll wait until I'll have to wait and see. You're just, you're just still trying to hope your 6-6 six and six Rams prediction comes true. I'm just <laughs> saying it's way too early to press the penalty button for anybody, and that's true Colorado State. That's true Hawaii because – like I said, yeah. the, the, these teams have the capacity to win on, like, there, there are no gimmies in the Mountain West. Not I think sure, that, no. that much is pretty much clear. So, you know, whether it's Hawaii, whether it's, you know, UNLV, whether it's, you know, whether it's uh, Colorado State, we're going to learn a lot over the next few weeks, and especially as, as conference games start kicking in where, you know, there's a couple of them next week. And so these these games are going to be real important one way or another for for both you know San Jose State who didn't play this week or for the Warriors who you know who look to get back on track. Like nobody is fallible in the Mountain West, mm-hmm. and I think you know even in the games that were big blowouts, we sort of talked about it with most of them. Like you know is, is Boise State going to be able to figure out how to run the ball more consistently? Um, you know, is, is, is San Diego State, like, are they going to get those kind of well-rounded performances? Like, the, you know, are they, are they going to get that same kind of performance against, like, a Nevada than they did against mm-hmm. Arizona? You know, things like that. It's mm-hmm. way too early to make sweeping judgments one way or the other that, like, this team is doomed or this team is not. But I think, no, but I think there are teams, no. there are teams like, like Colorado State and like Hawaii that definitely have a lot more to prove 
than other teams do at this point. No, you're 100% right on that. So any other last thoughts? Are we good to wrap this up? Because we went through 11 games in about 90 minutes. I think we're all set. <laughs> all right, we'll be back next week. We have a couple conference games, so at least one. I don't know the schedule for any bit, but we do have that one conference game. What, San Jose State, Hawaii, correct? Uh, yes. Okay, we'll get to more if there are more. I, I don't have the schedule, but we need to wrap it up here. So MWR.com, you can read Matt's winners and losers. I'll have the overreaction piece, which will be spicy because I don't like Steve Adazio at the moment, so there's that. So when Matt's trying to keep a level head here, I am going to go off the charts and see what people like tomorrow when I post this on Monday. It's all good and fun because it's it's a silly type of thing where it may not necessarily happen, but it's like message board. Do you want to overreact? Go do it, right? And that's what I'm going to kind of channel that type of thing and be like, yeah, well, we'll, you'll just have to see what I have to come up with because I have a few more ideas running around to have Monday midday because it takes a minute to get it going. But MWR.com, go read that, subscribe to this. We have a – Matt, we have, we're having a current record month to surpass like months even from like two years ago in September. So we appreciate that as well, people hanging out and doing stuff on the site. So Twitter, MWCY, where you can yell at us whenever Matt posts SP Plus rankings. That are not his rankings, by the way. He's just relaying the message. So – Relax on that, but we'll be back next time to talk more Mountain West football to preview the third week of the season.